Vav. of our dear friend Avi Gans. If there's an elegant beauty... Come, Hannah. Come, come.
if there's an elegant beauty to the complexity of Ishayahu, there's probably no Perik that expresses it more profoundly than Perik Vav. Can we cut the music in the background? So last week, uh, we left Yeshayahu Anavi standing in the streets of Yerushalayim, uh, calling uh, this sort of mock trial, uh, where he's asking the people of Yerushalayim to be part of a jury to decide a case between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and B'nai Yisrael on account of the fact that they've been negligent in taking care of the Kerem. So last week we were on the streets of Yerushalayim, which we're sitting in right now, and uh, again, Yeshayahu is going to disrupt, move us into an entirely different space. It's a short parak. Let's have a look at the parak itself. Parak Vav, often called Parak Kahat Dasha. As many of you might remember from the beginning, we have this whole ongoing debate, where does Sefer Yeshayahu begin? The most popular theory is a Parak Aleph, for logical reasons. Parak Vav, for reasons that we'll see soon, and we mentioned that Rabbi Ol Benun famously thought that Perik Bet uh, really works a lot better if you uh, sort out the different problems that we discussed in detail. So here we go. Bishnat mot hamelech uziyahu So here's extraordinary beginning right off the, st- the get-go. The great poet Yeshayahu now turns historian. And he needs to tell us that somewhere around the 606 year 678, something like that, the year that the king, the great king, the powerful king, the great builder king Uziyahu died, and suddenly Yeshayahu has this vision. And what does he see? Nothing pedestrian at all, nothing less than a Kodesh Baruch Hu, Yosheva Kisei properly pronounced Al-Kisei Ram Venisa. The Kisei is not Ram Venisa, Kodesh Baruch Hu is. V'shulav melayim ataychal. The hem, so to speak, of the royal garment. Some say uh, the, uh, the cloth that was covering the Kisei HaKavod, or covers the Kisei HaKavod, are filling what? The Heichal. We'll come back to this in a moment. S'chafim omdim imalo sheish knafayim shneish kafayim leechad. Yeshayahu finds himself surrounded. He's surrounded by angels and seraphim, hardly explainable in human terms. And he hears the angels in the Sfafim screaming, crying out, holy, 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 right? Only one God. Hashem Svakot, Melochol Haaretz Kivodo. The musicality of it. Melochol Haaretz Kivodo, what's happening in what he's seeing? Where is HaKadosh Baruch Hu? He's in the Heichal. Wait a minute. If God's all over the world, what's he doing in the Heichal? We'll come back to that in a moment. So I've split this, uh, divided this chapter into three portions. We're going to have a question about each one of them. But let's get the, because it's a short paragraph, we have the luxury of being able to read a little bit more. So up to now, 
right? We're told when this happens, suddenly uh, Yeshayahu is transported into the, into, the, into the heavenly court. Vomar, Oili kinid mesi, kiish tmes fataim anochi, uvetocham, I pronounced it like a yeka, uvesoch am tmes fataim ani shave, ki et melechad unaitzvaot rauenai. So, what's Yeshayahu's first reaction? Exemplary biblical humility. Like Moshe Rabbeinu before him, he's overwhelmed. He can barely understand how he's managing if God meets man. It's not only that we said that God. Man cha- it's one, either God's going to change, man's going to change. God, we believe, is unchangeable. Man is going to change. Usually when man encounters God, uh, the normal mortal is afraid and terrified that he's going to die, which is exactly what Yeshayahu says. And then he says something wh- which will be our second topic of the evening. And he says, I'm in big trouble because I'm not only a mortal human being in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but I'm sitting am- amidst a an unclean nation. His words, not mine. Because uh, I'm not interested in having happened to me what happened to him. <laughs> I have no problems. <laughs> and one of the seraphim, one of these winged uh, creatures of the heavens, right, comes, he has a gachelet, he has a, a kol, he's holding with a prong. Why an angel needs a prong? I don't know. Uh, maybe Weber set him up for it. Lakach me'al hamizbeach. There's an altar. And he takes this, the, the burning coal, vayaga alpi. And he touches it to my mouth. Vayomer hinei naga ze al sfatecha. So the angel is now putting this hot coal. Remind you of anybody? Hot coals? Uh, Moshe, there you go. Uh, what is this resonating through this here? That's all it takes. A little bit of burning coal, and you know, any of you have your mothers wash your mouth out with soap when you were kids. Uh, This is a whole. uh, This is this on steroids, right? And now he gets kapara. What's his sin? We'll come back to that. That's question number two. So he hears HaKadosh Baruch Hu asking, Do I have any volunteers? I need somebody for a mission. You're kidding, right? And he, but, sh- he shifts from a sense of inadequacy to volunteering very quickly. Yes. Wait. Vayomer. Thank you. Vayomer. Nothing like somebody coming in and stepping right in. All right. Vayomer. Lech v'yamartalam hazeh. Not l'amcha, not my beloved people. Tell those guys. Shivu Shamoa, the Altavinu. I want you to hear everything I say and not understand the thing. I want you to see everything that I'm describing and see nothing be sightless. Hashmein Leva Mazev Oznav Hachbeid Oznavasha, Hen Yereve Nav Oznav Yishma Uvilavo Yavin, Veshav Verafalo. So, uh, in the words of uh, Rabbi Benny Lau, this is anti-prophetic. If you're trying to speak yeah. to people and give them a message... Unless it's why, really sarcastic. What? Oh, save that one. <laughs> why in the world would you tell people right. to... You know, he's basically saying, uh, <laughs> I'm talking to you, 
Listen to what I'm saying. Put your hand right. It, and don't, and you know, monkey, see, don't, don't look. Don't do it. Okay? This makes very little sense unless you happen to be a fan of sarcasm, which tonight we're not, but that's okay. one of the things. We'll entertain that as long with the, as the, the, the other things that we've got. The final psukim of the pasuk, Yeshayahu says, How long, God? How long? Yishayahu. Okay? When, are you, when is this? Until when? Cities are going to be destroyed. Uh, the land's going to be barren. God is going to be distant. Uh, this is a multiple interpretations. Uh, it could be t- ten kings later. It could be a tenth of the time of the Galus. Uh, we'll uh, come back to this in more detail at the end. Like these great trees. Uh, remind Jackie that we had some great trees tonight. Asher b'shalechet matzevet bazera kodesh matzata. There are again multiple interpretations about the end of that. Uh, the one that we we like uh, for this evening is that there was apparently a gate. Uh, you, you're not allowed to have trees near the mizbeach, as you know, and there was a gate that marked off the azara from the rest. Uh, some call it the the shalechet. That's what the ref- reference is. But what you want to the image you want to imagine is a, a very large tree or a couple of very large trees that have been pruned. They're, the the trunk is there, uh, but the branches of the tree uh, are not as multiple or as plentiful as you might imagine. So, those who haven't been here before, this is our Ben Cole. We don't have a Pascal. Like their kid. Rebani Shalom, Yishayo Anobi. Who's tisting in the Himmel? Daphne Dolafafnel. Why in the world is Yishayahu Anobi flying around in the heavens after we what we learned last week? Uh, there's plenty of trouble, there's plenty going on on earth. Why is he up in the heavens looking at these amazing things? And what has this got to do with the death of the King Uziyahu? So, this is our first question. And uh, because we are now have a holy sheet, uh, what's the connection between the death of Uziyahu and this parak that's often referred to as Perak HaKadasha, or according to those who like to say that this is actually the beginning of the Sefer, so it was somebody that we've met before, Reb Lezer Mibalgensi, or Bogensi in French. Uh, he was a contemporary of the Rashbam, 12th century France. So look at what he says. Bishnat mot ha-melech hu al This must be after he died. Valzen amar bimeyotam, etc. But look at the underlined part. V'hishmi'enu shekanirea ha-kodesh bochu shekara ha-kodesh bochu shemetu ziyahu u-malach yotam when a Kodesh, the, the, all this Pusik, why, why did Yeshayahu certainly turn into a historian? 
because this historical fact is a spiritual fact. It's very, very important. Why? Because when HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw that the great king Uziyahu, the great builder, the great visionary, died, how did he come to die? Well, there were a couple things that happened. Uh, Uziyahu, as we learned in Melachim, uh, got it into his mind, uh, something that afflicted the Hashmonaim years later, and he decided that he wanted to be both king and Kohen, and he wanted to go in the Kodesh Kodshim, and so the, 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 uh, there's an interesting overlap between Uziyahu and his son Yotam. Yotam actually becomes uh, king during the lifetime of his father, because the father is, is now a leper as a result of what's happened, and he's taken over his, his father's job, so he's, he's a king in his father's lifetime. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees, V'lo nitkan hador. The generation has, nothing's happened. You would think that the great Uziyahu or his son, something would have improved. Aznira el Yishayahu. Then HaKadosh Baruch Hu appeared to Yishayahu. Now we know the historical connection and why it is that Yishayahu has this vision. Now, this becomes really fascinating. So why is God appearing to Yeshayahu in this incredible scene in the heavens, right? Remember? Now, I, I, I'll translate that in a second, but I'm also going to just put this up here because... I didn't have the luxury of putting this up uh, at our first shiur, but some of you might remember it. We, last week we made reference to the Gemara Makos and Daf Chavdalid that had Yeshayahu coming back and taking uh, the principles that are essential of the Torah, and, he, and he, first he said six, and then he came back and reduced it to two. Well, this is based on what's going on here, because um, Reb Lezer is saying, Yeshayahu, like Hoshea and like Amos, all had missions that were complete, absolute failures. Nothing happened, lo nitkan, right? Upasak, and God stopped talking to him. So Yeshayahu is already an abject failure. And he's being recalled. He's being brought up from the minor leagues, so to speak, or the major leagues, whichever one, and now he's back and he's got a mission. Any yes. parallel here with um, Pharaoh dies and God appears to Moses? Interesting. I hadn't thought of that. But things are definitely getting worse. That part, yeah. that part you've got right. So here's that Radak. And he says, Kishalakti alehem nevim velo hoilu, same thought. Amar Yishayahu hineni kloma hineni adayin shalcheni. I'm still ready, I haven't given up yet. Kim loho alti adata, if I haven't been able to do, I haven't been able to do my, I was a failure. Give me another chance, give me another chance, throw me the ball. Let's see what I can do with it, right? Okay, so let, let's leave that. So I want to go back. So we have our first question about why is this happening during the time of Uziyahu? Um, what, what is going on in this heavenly scene is the next point we want to touch on. Look at the first line. 
Vishulav Meleim et Haichal. I tried to tease it out in the very beginning. What is Yeshayahu seeing? Why is HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the Heichal if Kodo Malei Olam? And by the way, it's not HaKadosh Baruch Hu at the top of his Bekecha, so to speak. It's not the, whatever you imagine, the royal garment of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's the Hem. In other words, if you've got the kind of directions that my grandchildren, Baruch Hashem, who are sitting here watching have a fantastic sense of direction, uh, if, if the hem of the garment is down, that means that Kodesh Baruch Hu is going which way? Up or down? Big chance, Hananel. He's going up, that's right. And up is not up, up in a way, uh, in a wonderful way, this is up, up, and away. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is leaving. He's on his way out. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Because nothing's getting better. In fact, things are getting a whole lot worse. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the spiritual purity of the divine, cannot tolerate the stuff that's going on in, the, in this world. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is on his way out. And here comes Yeshayahu. Think about this for a minute. Take a deep breath. Imagine, okay, the Queen of England saying, I'm out of here, I'm leaving the palace. I'm going elsewhere. Or, Vancouver Island. <laughs> Vancouver Island. Imagine, imagine the White House sh- shutting the shutters, closing the doors, and you see the president on a helicopter going wherever. There's nobody home. And somebody says to you, okay, why don't you go talk to people about what's going on? Now we understand a little bit of the position that Yeshayahu finds himself in. Is that where you think there's smoke? Uh, I, where there's smoke, there's fire. I didn't think that one through. But you can help us think that through. What I did uh, remember, or at least recall, is a Gemara in Rosh Hashanah. Because I wanted to know what it means that Shulav Melehim et So here you have a Gemara in Rosh Hashanah in Lamed Aleph, uh, which starts out, Amar Rabbi Yuda, Amar Rabbi Idi, Amar Rabbi Yochanan. Eser masaot nasa shechina mikra'e uchenegdan galtayim the Sanhedrin. Anyways, this Gemara describes this, the ten steps. It is so hard. I mean, ten is a number you can choose. It's uh, in, in in Gemara, ten could be uh, just a lot. But there actually are ten different stops, so to speak. Okay where HaKadosh Baruch Hu gradually, gradually leaves the place above the Kruvim, which we'll come back to. That's where he resides, right, from the time of the Moshe's Mishkan. And, and he, uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is slowly, painstakingly, leaving from the, from the Kaporet to the Kruv, from the Kruv to the Miftan. The Miftan, according to Rashi, is the Bayit. It's the Heichal. So what we're literally seeing here and there's your, there's your smoke, Richard. Um, so, what we have is a Kodesh Baruch Hu on his way out, leaving Yeshayahu with a task of trying to figure out some way to bring the people back. Rabbi Yisrael Meir Lau uh, famously said in the Shir that there was only one prophet, we now know it's not Yeshayahu, who ever had any success. Anybody want to take a stab at the one prophet who actually Yonah. got... Yonah. The only guy who spoke to... Goyim. Yeah. <laughs> and the only guy who, even after he succeeded, was annoyed. Yes. 
So th this is not going well uh, for Yeshayahu. It's not going uh, well for Hakadosh Baruch Hu, which moves us on to the second topic, which is uh, what is this business? You can tell it's under the dotted line here. Vesar avoncha vechatcha vechatatcha techupar. What sin is Yeshayahu guilty of? Failure. Huh? Failure. No. No. So those of you who saw the flyer saw that we nicknamed this week's uh, right. Perik, the Chafetz Chaim meets Yeshayahu, and they meet in, in heaven, and there can only be one reason for that. Lashon Hara. There you go. So badmouthed his generation. Yeah. But isn't that the job of a prophet to badmouth his generation? Wait, 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 wait. Absolutely not. Huh? I was wondering with them. No, no, it's a That they're meeting. Not so that. it's very interesting. The Ibn Ezra, the Mepharshim, this is where you see the, 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 the beauty of the, the thinking of the, of the Mepharshim and just the way their inclinations. You know, the Rav, Rabbi Soloveitchik once famously said that uh, when, he, uh, when he gets a Shiloh, he has an instinct about where it's supposed to go and then he finds all the, all the proofs yeah. for it. Uh, you hear this in the in the in the in the, uh, in the Mepharshim, I think. Uh, I, I, in, in the interest of time, I, I'll just uh, summarize the central core idea. The Ibn Ezra says that uh, the reason that Yeshayahu is bad mouthing people, the Jewish people, is because uh, he he's, he's been under bad influence. He's been in a bad crowd, so he's just speaking the vernacular. He's speaking like everybody else is. The Radak says what you says Shecheref Yisrael. He literally bad mouth. He cursed Israel. Now, we have a Gemara in Yevamos that I wanted to make a short mention of, uh, only because uh, uh, it's not a sheer Gemara, but there's an extraordinary ritva that uh, really spooked me out, and you'll hear why in a second. So the Gemara in uh, Yevamos Mentes is basically dealing with how the demise of Yeshayahu. And, and asking the question, why did Yeshayahu, why was he killed? Why did he die? His, his uh, Menashe, his uh, son-in-law, killed him, okay? So uh, the, uh, the Gemara uh, talks about the fact that uh, it didn't take very much for Menashe to have it in for a prophet of God. Uh, Menashe was not exactly the, the most wonderful person under, the, in, under God's son. Uh, and then the Ritva is, says uh, as follows. So one possibility of his sin was that he saw some things or he peeked beyond an area he wasn't supposed to look at. And he says, Now, the Ritva is the student of the Rashba. The Rashba is probably one of the greatest forces against capitalistic and philosophical thought uh, that we know of. And this is his student. Uh, he may have met something else, but anybody who's ever opened up any kind of capitalistic text of any sort, when you see Alderech HaEmet and Vahamaskil Yavin, that's code for there's something cabalistic going on here. Uh, so, you know, one wonders, what, what is he talking about? 
So if I can keep my notes together, we'll find out. I promise you'll get to the sarcastic part. I, 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 I make no promises, but I will okay. do my very level best. So the Chida says as follows. Did I put the Chida on here? I don't think so. We'll get to that in a Very strange analysis of the Ritva. Uh, we, we trust the, uh, the Chida because the Chida is a, uh, is a Kabbalist. Uh, and, and he says uh, that... Uh, Yeshayahu was not trying to start a machloket, but he was punished because he called him Amtve Satayim, Lifnei HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yeah. Damer lo HaKadosh Baruch Hu bifneihem tedaber kashot alehem kedei lahachniyeim. You can say whatever you like to them, aval lefanai, lama tikoim amtamei. So think about this stunning moment from, I mean, the, there are other Mepharshim who say exactly the opposite. Um, and that's where some of the Lashon Hara comes in. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu is standing up and, and punishing Yishayahu. Why? Because he says, you can say that about them when you're doing your job of, of trying to raise their awareness of giving them Musar, as we say, but I'll have none of that said about my people who I'm now leaving and leaving you behind to talk to. This is extraordinary. The Ben Yoyada, otherwise known as Ben Ishchai, uh, puts this question in a wonderful frame. Uh, those of you who have been through Tanakh in any way, shape, or form know that we mentioned earlier when we were talking in the introduction of the Radak to Sefer Yishayahu that Hosea was one of the Nevi'im who was in the group of the, the first group that, uh, that was unsuccessful, okay? And the Gemara Sachim wants to know um, it basically asks, really, uh, it, it, did Yishayahu say worse things than Hosea? Hosea was, is, is unmerciful. I mean, he is tough as nails, as we would say. So he asks, so really, this is, as you would say, and this seems to be like a, like a Kleinakite, right? So he says, "Venerally besiata dishma Yishayahu lo Yishayahu lo nenash bishvil kategoria bishvil shikara am amsvataim lifnei akodesh baruch hu." Oh, because we just—that's what we just read. I'm sorry. Oh, here we go. Prophet is uh, tyrannical superego. Wait. Uviyot Yisrael osim. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm a step ahead of myself. So the point being here that. Uh, you can say what you want about the Jewish people, but if you say it in front of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, that's a whole other item. The next question that we're going to try and deal with very quickly is uh, what Richard was referring to as the sarcasm. Um, it's like, listen to what I'm saying, uh, listen to every word. Yep, okay. So we're going to have a couple of variations about uh, 
what this might be. So the Chida, uh, quoting uh, the Gemara and Yavamis that we referred to also before, said, Because the Jewish people are operating in, the op- in opposition, so uh, to summarize any number of the different commentaries on this very strange paradoxical language, if you will, why is he telling him the opposite? It's, uh, in some might say it's a form of child psychology, exactly. right? Well, or you, you like or the sarcasm. you, you I mean, like you like the sarcasm before. The sarcasm. Well, here here are two other things to to chew on while you're thinking about this. Number one, um, the um, there's a story within a story, perhaps. Kla Yisrael need a kapara, right? This this is what all of this is about. Did we see a kapara in this very small chapter before? We sure did, right? The cold. Yes. We spoke about the sin of Yeshayahu. Right. V'sar avoncha v'chatatcha techupar. In the middle of this parak, for reasons that are really hard to understand, the Navi has sinned. He, had, this is, he hasn't even stepped out the door yet and he's in trouble. And he's, he's, been, he's received mechila. But he, and he's received kapara. But this kapara is not exactly, I mean, you know, you hear people saying, you know, kapara, kapara. This kapara is a, is, is a singeing of the tongue with a hot coal. There's some real suffering involved here. And I wonder whether there isn't a story within a story that, referring to the trees at the end that have been pruned, that on some level, uh, Yeshayahu is already experiencing the fate of the Jewish people, but it comes with the promise that, Yes, it's inevitable. Man, even a Navi, a Navi on his second pass, will make errors, will make mistakes, will say things, will do things that ought not to be done. But at the end of the day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu promises that there will be a Kapara and that eventually things will work out uh, in the way that the Navi promises and says throughout the Sefer. I want to get to the, to the last part and then uh, come back and pick up some of the other pieces here. We've been speaking about the fact that uh, it wouldn't surprise me, at least, if Yeshayahu walked through the door, looked around, and said a very, exactly the same things that he was saying so many years ago. Look at this Gemara in Ksubis. This Gemara refers to our parakeet. You can see it at the end. And what does the Gemara say? Ami Rabbi Zeira, Ami Rabbi Yirmiya Baraba. Ben David Ba, the generation, when Ben David is on his way, there's going to be a lot of categoria, which we will see in a moment. What does that mean? Definitely. So Reb Zeru was discussing this with Reb Yirmiya, and then they brought it before the great Amora Shmuel, and he said, Tziruf this is a cleansing, this is a, a cumulative process. 
Shnemar ve'od ba'asiriya, and the Eitz Chayim, who's a perish on the on on the uh, the Gemara, then the Agadita says, Shaya Kategoria, what is that? Mi beinehem, Gufa, Shelo Yehavu Ish etach etach achi. The Talmidei Chachamim will despise each other. They won't get along. They won't love each other. Velo yadunu et ishetech achiv lizchut. Being down the kavzchut is the basics of the haftal reyecha kamocha. No one's going to judge. No one's going to give anybody a break. Can you imagine? This, we're talking about. Let's leave these the scholarship out. We're talking about our leaders, right? We're talking about leaders who have have uh, no love for. There's no love uh, lost between them, right? Uh, they're not going to give the other guy a break. Uh, everyone's going to see the negative, the deficiencies of the other person, exactly the anti-Hasidic uh, story about the, 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 uh, the, the, the blessing of Rabbi Elimelech and his, and, and his, and his tefillah. So what have we seen tonight? We've seen three amazing aspects of the Novi Yeshayahu. First of all, he did it to us again. Uh, he left us in the marketplace. Now he brings us up to Shamayim. The next thing he does is he brings out another tool, aside from the, the use of imagery, shock, and metaphor. What is he doing when he, takes, when he starts using this absolutely strange language? Whether you call it child psychology. What happens when somebody says something to you, you're being oppositional, you're saying no, you're saying I don't want to, and somebody says, you're right, you really don't want to, and I'm right with you. So the, there was a, a famous anthropologist uh, who was one of the pioneers uh, in, when, in the family therapy group that started to study schizophrenia. His name was Gregory Bateson. And Gregory Bateson uh, uh, had this incredible idea that he formulated as the paradoxical paradoxical intention. And he said that when, essentially, when people are seeing things backwards or they're out of your reality, one way to, to make change happen, any change, is to go right along with it. It's like the Rebbe uh, Nachman story about the turkey, the Indic, right? So, again, think about what it, it's not just that it's paradoxical, it's clever, but what, what happens when you think, you know, I am. I'm going to. I, I. I'm going to. You know, write my name in as one of the candidates, and somebody. And Netanyahu comes over and he says, "Yashikov, I think it's a great idea. You should do that." So the first thing that happens to you, other than you laugh, is like, uh, you know, it turns your head around, and then there's that moment. There's that moment where suddenly you're not thinking the way that you usually do. Yashikov is done it again. He's gotten you the same way we spoke about metaphors. He stopped your natural train of thought. He's tra- he stopped your usual associations. And he's got you thinking for a mini-second about, wait a minute, what's going on? The beautiful promise... Oh, so it's we, like we have, judo. It is like judo. This is prophetic judo. Prophetic judo. So I, I, I was unsure whether I would have a chance uh, to, to read this uh, here. And I'm going to do this, and then we'll stop. In previous Shurim, we have spoken about Isaiah's rich, vivid imagery, his tone, his meter, as well as his use of metaphor to bypass people's hearing, 
him out without doing any sort of reflective thinking. Tonight, we underscore two additional tools. First, his suddenly and abruptly transported his audience beyond space and time. As we have said earlier, last week, we were somewhere in the markets of Jerusalem. This week, we find ourselves eavesdropping and caught up in the sacred awe of the court of heaven. Second, utilizing an odd form of confrontation, Isaiah is curiously and paradoxically aligned with exactly the mindset or the viewpoint that he was dispatched to change. If the carpe diem lifestyle and the self-centered indulgence is a false self of Am Yisrael, does anybody know what a false self is? It's like when we pretend to be somebody that we're not, right? Like somebody giving a shear. When the prophet says, don't listen, be callous of heart, he manages to both catch his audience off guard and also to confront their false selves using a deft, virtual sleight of hand, suddenly the listener has to wonder, wait a minute, whose side is this guy on anyhow? That mindset is perhaps all Isaiah needed or could hope for. So what is Sefer Yeshayahu telling us in this layered, complex chapter? Here's some ideas. Number one, maybe that Hashem truly never gives up. It seems that he's giving up. He's leaving the building. But it was a bluff. Two, he provides leadership to shepherd a flock even if we are seemingly hopelessly lost. We get Yeshayahu. We get to, we're still lost. This, not only is the, 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 the shulayim of the, of the big day uh, are not in the Heichal. We have no idea where they've gone to, but we still hope to have leaders who can move us in a direction that we can find each other. The Gemara in Ksubis, if we can be dan lekafschut, if we can love each other, if we can look for the positives rather than the negatives, we're stepping up to the plate here. This is where the break is, Sydney. This is where we have our chance. We have a play within a play where the prophet sins before God and his nega, uh, those of you who know uh, Hasidus, the word nega, right? So it was in the. Um, I hope not to make you dizzy here, right? Hine nagaze al sfatecha, vayiga. A nega in Hasidut and Kabbalah is when, when people do tshuva, the letters flip around and becomes oneg, like oneg Shabbos. So a nega is really something that's never really spiritually permanent. Think about we started with whom? Uziyahu, the leprosy king, the king leper king. And what happens? We're believing, we see that, that, that uh, Yeshayahu has a nega. It's not leprosy, although a lot of times biblically uh, and, and certainly halachically, michvat ha-nega, if you have, you, you sometimes can develop... Uh, whatever tzarat is by, by, a, by a, a sudden kind of burn. And finally, that even though we may experience the Shekhinah as distant at times, Hashem Yisbarach drags his cloak, while at the same time wanting for us to relearn how to love each other so he can plan his return to his abode, gently settling down between the space that he holds for eternity. Mibain Shnei HaKruvim. Welcome to Peret Vav. We look forward to seeing you next week for Perik Zayi. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming out, Nicole. Yeah. <laughs> it's spooky. <laughs> <laughs>